A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. Then he was in forensics. Then he was a New South Wales firefighter. This season of Loose Units is called Hot Stuff Coming Through, and apart from having an incredibly cool and stupid name, it's going to reveal the untold side of being a firefighter in Australia. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Hot Stuff Coming Through, the podcast where an ex-cop who was also an ex-firefighter sits down with his ex-son, who is also just his regular son. God, the wheels fell off this intro. Thank God the wheels don't fall off fire engines, hey? Uh, This is Loose Units, and right now... John Verhoeven, my dad, is sitting across from me. Hi, I'm Paul Verhoeven. And we're about to talk about dad's time as a New South Wales firefighter. Now, if you listen to last week's episode, dad mentioned that there was one particularly kind of... What was the word you would use to describe that shift, dad? Um, <clears throat> you weren't listening, were you? No, I, I, I listened to you deeply, Paul. A word. Well, I, I'm not going to use a word. Okay, how about this? We talk about that shift in... Are the you end. worried about this story? No. Oh, good. I'm saying at the end of the episode, yep. we can pick a word based on what I've heard. Or or the listeners can bring a word in. <laughs> sure, but we pre-record these. It's not going to fucking work. Mm. All right, well, now, okay, so... So, Paul, yes. you know that I was a professional firefighter for almost 10 years to the day. That's a long time. It's a long time, isn't it? For the listeners out there, can I just... Also say that, you know, the show we did a few weeks ago, the two shows, live shows in Brisbane, Brisbane, Mm. I really, really enjoyed them. And some of the incredible, lovely, lovely people that I would really like to thank. Mm. Have have we done that? No. Have we thanked our Brisbane audiences? Yeah, we haven't. I'd love to because you know that there was there's an amazing tattooist, tattoo artist Mm. with his lovely partner and he did a um, a pencil drawing of me. It was crazy. So afterwards, these... Two fantastic people came up and handed me very nervously this this drawing of Dad, and it's it's incredible. And then the guy who drew it, whose name um, uh, I've I've sadly but done. but have we posted the picture? No, on, well we should. We will because I'd love. And also he did he and his lovely partner mm. also um, gave me an amazing rare bottle of uh, of whiskey. Have you polished that off yet? Uh, I think it's sitting on your bookshelf. I've had I've, ha- I've had half of it, and I really like it. Okay, but but how lovely! And the vibe in the room that both nights was it was electrifying, it was- and I just fuck I love I love that night. We had such a both good time, nights. and our our live I mean loose units listeners are just the best people in mm, the world, yeah. bar none. They yeah. they are so much. You know, true crime is an interesting genre. Um, loose units has a lot of really strange things it adds to it, but our listeners are just. The, the weirdest, friendliest bunch of and, people. And also, I'd like to mention to everyone that there's a particular couple, and this couple, you know who you are, mm. that have been to every single live show, and they queued up for an hour yeah. in Brisbane a few weeks ago with mm. their 
their book that looked as though it had been dropped out of a car at high speed. You know what's lovely about these guys is they will bring the, the same book. The same book. Sign, and we just add to it. We've it, just been so... It's like the Berlin Wall. It's just so coming. lovely. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's... And I needed to really... I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. But I'm very grateful to every single person that comes to the live shows. And I'm really grateful to all the listeners. And I think you're all fantastic. And, you know, we, we don't exist without you no we don't and, so you know, so grateful loose units is many things it's a book it's three seasons of a podcast it's live shows but the the common thing that ties it all together apart from dad and i is you so please just mm. keep doing what you're doing and thank you so much for everything mm. but one of the things that people really enjoy about loose units is is the weirdness of it all some of the stuff that you've had happen to you on shift has been very strange now last episode we did a blow by blow of you know, a day in the life of a firefighter. And I found it very enlightening. But during that episode, you very cannily teased uh, the this New Year's Eve shift that you mentioned uh, you went through one time. Now, for the sake of building an episode up from the ground up, I think it would be cool if... How did this shift begin? All right, well, look, there's actually something to... There's a precursor to this story. Oh, great. And that is that when I was working at Manly... Pretty busy station. Um, we had ladders and and the uh, the pump. You know, we had a system in the fire brigade where it was basically first in, first away. So that when you came on, if you were the first person to start the shift, the first person from the shift before, mm. it was like tag team. Okay. So first, first, second, second, third, third, etc. So anyway, so what happened was... Occasionally, you'd have something urgent to attend to um, off duty. So, I'd contacted a firefighter, <clears throat> excuse me, that I knew was coming in from the Central Coast. Yes. Which is about 100 kilometers away. Why were they coming in all that way? Oh, heaps of fireys live out of Sydney. Oh, really? Heaps, heaps. Okay. So, and some people do massive distances. And, and, and I had this agreement with this particular guy, and he came in really early mm. for me. But it was a prearranged agreement. So, I hadn't necessarily been the first <clears throat> in. So, but everyone pretty well understood, but there was a particular firefighter that afternoon, mm. pretty big guy, pretty, pretty sort of, uh, you know, built like a brick shit house, super fit. What happened was this fireman, this big guy, he, he sort of, he really got the shits. He thought I was pissing off. He thought I was queue jumping and he thought I was just pissing off early and sort of fuck everyone else. But he didn't know I'd made this agreement with this guy. Mm. So I go downstairs and I'm heading out to my car and this particular fiery who was on shift, he really, really snapped. And he came up to me as I was getting in my car and he, with his um, with his elbow, yeah. he sort of rammed my throat and he held me up against my car. What? Yeah, it was really, really fucking heavy. And I was totally uh, shocked. And he was twice the size of me and I'm six foot. Not saying he was twelve foot, which would be weird. Because that'd be a fucking big uniform. And also, I mean, he sounds like an ant. <clears throat> no, he was really—he's a big guy. And um, anyway, so I'm sort of pinned against the car, being assaulted, and really, I was—it was fucking heavy. Yeah. And I, I was—I was scared. Was anyone else around for this? Okay, here's the thing. Sure. There was a particular station officer that had driven around the back and he I caught a glimpse of him. Mm. He was the only person that could actually really almost save me yeah. from this monster. Yeah. And um he was a particular particular station officer that um to this day shall remain unnamed. But what he did, he hid. He ducked behind his uh what steering wheel and just hid there. And you saw him do this. I saw him do it. 
Yeah. So what happened then? You got your, you've you've paused mid elbow throat. Mm. What's happening? And he he was with his other arm. Yeah. Which was held back. He was ready to punch me. So I was pinned against my car, and he was about ready to beat the shit out of me. And somehow or other, I managed to explain. Maybe the other fiery came down and said, no, no, look, mate, this is what's happening. And then I thought to myself, so I've witnessed a station officer who's coming on um, basically an extreme act of cowardice. Yeah. Not a quality you prize in. No, but this particular station officer is and was a complete fuckwit. (laughs) And hopefully he he listens to the podcast. He was a complete fuckwit. Does he know? Would he know if he heard this? Yeah, but he's he's, he's a fuckwit. And, 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 And well thought of, not... In the fire brigade, but oh. he's 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 left the fire brigade now. Oh, okay, but anyway, um, you know, cowardice and is is a terrible, terrible trait. Yeah. Um, and I needed really needed some serious help, and an officer could have actually come up and sorted it. Anyway, it, it did by chance sort itself out, and I thought to myself, this is really really heavy, and I was going to call the police. Um, down at Manly, it That's was how that bad, bad it was. was it? Yeah, it was it was a it was a, an assault, and uh, on many levels. So, and then I said to this particular, and then he realised this particular fiery that had assaulted me. Yeah, he realised that he'd completely had a brain snap, and he came down and he started apologising. And of course, I'm a pretty good guy, and I, I sort of you know forgave him on the spot, knowing that I had to work with the guy on and off over the next who you know, possibly an entire career because mm. it's a very insular, tight group. You don't want to be sharing a bunk room with No, no, you here. just don't, you know, you, and, and it's really important. So I sort of filed it and... Um, Put it in your revenge closet. <laughs> well, I don't have a revenge closet, unlike some people, but I just thought I had to deal with it. I had I was more upset about the uh, the station officer hiding in his car. That's interesting. Mm. Now, did you... Did you consider maybe telling the guy who'd pinned you about the station officer so that you both had a common enemy? You know, no, no, no. I just I, I've mentioned this particular coward um, to other um, people in the brigade since, and and everyone knows and and kind of almost expected that sort of behaviour from okay. the, this weasel. And uh, this other this weasel did other terrible things too that you know maybe we can chat about off, off offline. Do you want to describe some um, uh, physical attributes so people have a picture in their heads, or will that give it away? Like, what did this guy look like? What was his... Short and dumpy. Short and dumpy. Yeah. He was actually... I'm going to give it away here. He was actually thrown out of Auschwitz in Germany. He was thrown out of Auschwitz. What do you mean? Well, you know Auschwitz. You know what it is, don't you? You mean... Okay, so wait. He went to visit Auschwitz. As a visitor. And was thrown out. What he did, he... He put a, a coat on backwards and he put some... He had these special glasses that were like really thick, like magnifying glasses. Mm. And he dressed himself up like a well, like a prisoner in Auschwitz and he hopped him. He jumped into one of the gas ovens. Yeah, fuckwit. Fuckwit. Yeah. Absolute fuckwit. Correct. And he was thrown out. So if you're listening, you know who you are. I digress. So anyway, so I had to sort of move on. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I became a relieving firefighter, which meant I could work anywhere in Sydney. Yeah. And the fiery that had sort of had a go at me that night. Yes. He was also a relieving firefighter. And, okay. a, and might I say, a fucking good firefighter. Great. Like, if you wanted someone to have your back, mm. he was a great, and, and perhaps still is a great fireman. Mm. So, I get rostered on New Year's Eve to work at the Rocks Fire Station. And um, I rock up about 5.30. Yep. And it was a heat wave. And it's New Year's Eve 
in the Seibei Day and Sydney is pumping. What year is this, by the way? This would have been perhaps mid-90s. Mid-90s. Yeah, so I was probably 35. Okay. Um, you know, and I, and I was an ocean swimmer and I looked after myself and, um, and you had to be fit in the fire brigade. Yes, I remember. Because you carry a lot of gear. I think, um, you know, from memory, with all your gear on, maybe 35 kilos. Okay. Wait, you, you weighed 35 kilos with the gear on? God, you're light. 35 kilos. Right. Yeah. Did I just say gilos? You said gilos. Mm, kilos. A gilo anyway, is three kilos. So, so listen, I rock up to this fire station, the rocks, and they've got what's called a super pumper. I've alluded to those um, in the past. Occasionally, some of the big, big fire stations that had aerial appliances had huge fire engines, like gigantic. Compared to a normal fire engine, They because they had massive, extra powerful pumps on the back because they had to pump into aerial platforms that work with massive heights yeah. so you need that extra pressure when you say huge fire engines do you physically need... they're they're bigger are the seats bigger so like people look like children <clears throat> sitting in adult seats in the oh, cars look, they're, they're, they're very large they're, they're, they are they, they were called a super pumper but don't you find that a comforting image <laughs> no like a fully grown <clears throat> man sitting in like a little kid's chair no 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 no. you'd have to get on someone's <clears throat> shoulders to reach the wheel Paul. that's so charming dad anyway to the <laughs> back to the story um so I, I, I rock up to this station and guess who I'm going to be working with that night? Oh, is it Elbow Throat? Yeah. Is that his name in, the, is in this episode? No. What do you want to call him? No, nothing. Just, a fun, just... No, no, we need a fun nickname. <clears throat> Look. Um, Elbows. We're calling him Elbows. I'd call him the Hulk. Oh, that's way better. Yeah, big guy. All right. Anyway, so, and but we'd made our piece and we were professional, but we were still aware there was a little bit of weirdness, a bit, right. of, bit of tension. So he and I were in the back of the super pumper. Wait, you should have rocked up in a neck brace. <laughs> yeah, but that was this is ages. Later. I know, but that was that's yeah. Good well, I couldn't have, yeah, but I couldn't have gone on duty. Oh, sure. So um, and we had this uh, station officer who was uh, very quiet, sort of a guy, very aloof. Didn't see much of him. Mm. The weird thing is that whenever the bells went off, you'd see the station officer. He'd hop in the front with the driver. Yep. We'd be in the back, yep. and we'd head off to. To whatever jobs we were doing. Do you mean generally or in, at this shift? At this, on this particular shift, we had the station officer who's always in the front. But this particular SO that I didn't know, yeah. he struck me as being incredibly sort of almost shy and reserved. Is that a good quality in an SO? Um, look, he was he was aloof. He was an unusual person. But you said that every time they went off, every time the bells went off. How often are the bells going off? Well, I'm, I'm going to. This is the shift I did where we turned out. 21 times Piss off. in a 14-hour shift. How many of those were actual fires or actual accidents? Maybe three or four. But the fact is, that's a but lot. A lot of alarms. It's a lot. We were working our rings out. <clears throat> However, this is where the story gets even more interesting. Mm. Um, there was a strip club and like a, a topless bar. They have poles too. Opposite the, um, opposite the fire station. Right. Now, the driver, the motor driver, he... When I, when I arrived... <laughs> I'll never forget this. There's a guy coming from across the road back to the fire station in full uniform and he's got a slab, you know, 24 cans in a box on his shoulder. Wait, do strip clubs sell booze? This is a pub slash strip club, whatever. So he's coming back and then I realised that he is actually our motor driver for the the 14-hour shift. But he figures, well, it's New Year's Eve. I'm going to get pissed. What? He didn't even offer us a beer. He goes into this room and he starts drinking. Now, 
he he was becoming more and more intoxicated, and I'm sitting in the back of this fire engine thinking, and he's and that's a as I said, it's a very big fire engine, and we 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 headed off to the first few calls, and he was kind of getting worse and worse and worse, and he was drinking and drinking and drinking, and then after about the sixth or seventh call that shift, mm. um, when the bells go off, we went into the uh, into the watch room, and the station officer comes in. And I'm with this fire in the back. We're sort of waiting and there's no motor driver. And the bells are going off. Now, the motor driver's job is, A, to figure out where we're going because we don't know the area. The city's really complicated. The bells are going off. There's a job that's come through. No motor driver. I go into this room and there's the motor driver. Our motor driver, in full uniform, unconscious, on his bed. And I'm talking paralytic. We couldn't wake him. How much had he gone through? By that stage, probably 12 cans. 12? 12. And he drank them alone? By himself. But that's not not the New Year's Eve vibe. You've got to share it around. Hmm. If he came in and everyone had a beer. But he's the driver. Jesus. And he was ratchet. And he was unconscious. And so we've gone and spoken to the station officer and explained the situation. You mean the the elusive station officer? Yeah, and he, 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 he didn't know what to do. He, he kind of, he, he just couldn't cope. Fell apart. So what happened was he hops in the, uh, where the SO goes. <laughs> the fiery that's held me against the throat some months before, he becomes the driver. What? <laughs> yeah, true story. And I'm in the back by myself and we headed off. And there were only three of us, which meant that in a, in a worst case scenario, I would be the only person going. <laughs> I'd be the only person going to a burning building. I mean, that's ridiculous to say that because you'd obviously have backup. Yeah. Being in the city, so we were rocking up to all these jobs, and the poor driver, you know, this guy, he he was under a lot of pressure. Yeah. To, to somehow we had to work as a team to figure out where we were going. The station officer was sort of almost in the fetal position. Yeah. In the front of the fire engine, thinking that his life was coming to an end. Because, I mean, it was a serious... He didn't do what he should have done. He should have... Well, look, you know, we should have got someone else in. I mean, it was really, really dangerous to be working one man down. What was, you, it, what was it like actually rocking up at these... No, calls? it was weird because I was in, I was the only... It's the only time in my life I've ever been the only fireman in the back of a fire engine. What did it feel like? Cavernous. <laughs> sure. Because it's... You know, it was like I was sort of rolling around... <laughs> Like a marble in a bowl, and it was, and it was really, really, you know, it's a strange area, um, and you're dealing with uh, firefighters in the city. Not sure what it's like in Melbourne, but mm. fireys that work sort of in headquarters are, generally speaking, yeah. Um, I don't like to use the word or phrase gung ho, but they're they're really on top of the game Is because, that because they're they're dealing with more stuff. Well, right? they're, they're just on the go all the time. Whereas if you go to some stations in Sydney and perhaps in outer Melbourne mm. and outer any capital city, yeah. Um, you know, some of these fireys in outer stations, they might not see an actual fire in six months. Okay. And they tend to become a little bit blasé and apathetic about the importance and significance of the job. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Whereas the guys in the city, and a lot of them are fresh out of the academy, so they're really, really pumped up. And then at headquarters in Sydney, they used to have, and I'm not sure whether they still do, but they had a special pump called the Flyer. And the the crew on that fire engine, they used to be in the flying room. And they were like, they were just another breed. They were so, you know, look. Like test pilots, kind of young, kind of. They were were gun, gun firers. And they really, they were fair dinkum. Yeah. And I don't think they have the flyer anymore. But the station officer that was with the flyer and the crew and the crew never left that room. And it was just another Another next level. But at this point, you're in a truck with a um, a sad... Uh, quiet. He never spoke. A quiet, sad uh, guy who shouldn't be driving an SO, who's driving for a drunk driver. And then you've got your elbow throat guy, sorry, the Hulk. And then you've got you in the back. Now, you said that there were about 21 calls that night? There were 21 calls. Right. So, as the night winds on, do you remember where you guys were at the stroke of midnight? No idea. I knew I was delirious, though. <laughs> okay. No, I was so... I was I was rat shit. Talk us through some of the actual things that you... Actual calls that you answered that well, night. Well, we went to a uh, suicide. Oh, God. Um, on New Year's Eve, because that... Sometimes people wait till New Year's mm-hmm. Eve to uh, to commit suicide. Oh. And uh, we went to numerous um, alarms and a couple of, um, you know, sort of street incidents down near the opera house when you say street incidents well there were thousands and thousands of people so invariably get people lighting bins and you know all that sort of stuff and and cars alight and you know did did you get to hop out and actually um put any fires out yeah yeah i put um i'm embarrassed to say but i put a a bin out that was exciting (laughs) yeah why are you laughing because i think when people picture firefighters they picture kurt russell bursting through a door in slow motion in backdraft ah well here's a fun fact paul yeah if you did an actual film on firefighting, yeah. you couldn't see Kurt Russell because you can't see in smoke. Yeah, but he's so handsome. No, but it, all these fires, you know, that are not. It's just so you're so okay. So a faceless John Verhoeven is putting out a bin fire on New Year's Eve. Mm. That's not very glamorous. No, but it's it's important. Of course, it's important. But you've put out the bin fire. You're answering calls as the night wears on. Are you? Are the three of you kind of developing a sort of? No, I never ever spoke to the station officer. But- he, he pretended that he actually, his body was there, but his mind was somewhere else. Right. He'd completely packed it in. He checked out. Yeah, checked out. And it was, you know, it was just a, I just thought to myself, is this 
really happening. Mm. And it, and we were very hot. It was a heat wave. So, it's New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, we're basically covering for uh, a driver that probably should have been in intensive care. Jesus. And then unbeknownst to us, when we occasionally came back to check on him, he'd uh, managed to finish the other 12. So, he'd had 24 cans um, and he was paralytic and he was, he was rat shit. And he was uh, unconscious, and in the morning, yeah, uh, we just left him there. So, what happens to him from a disciplinary nothing. perspective? Nothing. No. What do you mean nothing? Zero, because it's up to the station officer to. Uh, and the station officer at this point is a paunchy ghost who doesn't do anything. Well, so. he was. He was. Um, I think he was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Cool. Uh, so to know that um, a guy like that was in charge, yeah. of us, which reminds me of another station officer that I worked with. Um, that will remain definitely nameless. He had a brain snap once. Uh, we went to a barbecue alight. Like it's a minor thing. Yeah. A barbecue in someone's backyard. Mm-hmm. And it was a barbecue that was handmade out of these Besser bricks. But the owner of this house hadn't um, rendered or sort of hadn't used concrete. So they were all just sort of balancing on top of each other. But it was quite a nice barbecue. Hang on, just fucking stacked them. Stacked them. Like but you could do You could do that with Besser bricks. And they were having a barbecue and a neighbor had complained about something or other and it was such a minor thing and it was in a very very posh suburb do you want to name the suburb avalon yeah and um Didn't one of the one of the uh, monkeys lived there mickey dolans no not mickey dolans which monkey lived in avalon <laughs> orangutan one of <laughs> one of the band the monkeys lived in avalon oh yeah um no i can't remember mike nesbitt don't know Anyway, but lots of famous people lived up that way. Yeah. I actually probably shouldn't mention the name of the suburb because that kind of gives it away a little bit. But this particular uh, station officer, he, for some reason or other, he see, when I joined the fire brigade, they used to use um, whistles. Did you know that? No. And, they were, and the station officer would have a nice chain and this beautiful silver whistle. That's not going to put a fire out. No, no, but that would, he would call to the, the pump. If, if there was a lot of noise or commotion or if he was out of sight, he would deliver a long blast or short blasts through the whistle, yep. like in the Navy, you know, when you come over and they do that sort of, that's it. And that they, all these things mean something or other. Yeah. And he would actually um, use the whistle. Anyway, what happened was this particular st- station officer, he actually used his whistle, yeah. which was weird. But what we did, we, unbeknownst to him, we'd actually oh, pulled our pants down and got his whistle and rub- rubbed it around our freckle sphincter. I know. And then popped it back in his little coat. Why? Knowing that one day he'd grab the whistle and stick it in his mouth. Why? Why what? Why would you do that? For fun. But was he a bad person? <laughs> was it Whose butthole was used? Various. But that's something that people used to do. Fucking various? Well, it was a bit... Look, station officers rarely used their whistle... And they wouldn't use it on principle, knowing that it had probably been up some other fiery's no, ass. No, no, I'm sorry. No, you can't say, look, if they put this in their mouth, it's their fault that it gets our butt juices on it. How far up did you guys go? Just around the edge? Half an inch. Half an inch. Yep. Right you, up to the pee. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, a true story. That's true. What and they, anyway, they used to use the, the whistle. But this particular SO, he actually used his whistle, right. which we all got a bit of a laugh out of because we knew that... I mean, every SO knew that fire is that do that to their whistles. No, that's... Wait, I'm sorry. Can you clarify that statement? It can't be a given that... if Look, you know what? Most fireys and, and station officers knew never to use the whistle. Why? Because it had been... They knew that fire is had come in. Why? 
This is a circular conversation. No, Paul. it's not fucking circular. Unlike the butthole that you rub the whistle in, I'm curious as to how this is just a given. Like, how is this just a just a thing? Well, Come- when I j- joined the fire brigade, yeah, it it was something that you were told. It was like hazing. Kind of. It's like a ritual. But look, thing. anyway, most station officers knew and would never use their whistle. But he did. And he did. How? And we all got a bit of a laugh out of it. How much time had elapsed between. It's, that's irrelevant. No, it's not because bacteria has a shelf life. You don't care about stuff like that. It's just it's just the imagery, knowing that that goes into his mouth. Sure. You know, look, it's pretty. It's cooties. It's an aside. So what happened was we, we go to this barbecue alight, which was a non event. Mm. And what happened was. This particular station officer ordered a line of 70, which is the biggest hose in the fire brigade. I and we I, all just went... I think I know what's going to happen. No, he just said, what? And we all went, but you can't say to a station officer, no, we're not going to... You probably could if it was if he was putting your life in, in danger. Yes. But on this particular occasion, he asked for a line of 70, which is to put out factories. I mean... And he just said, "Water on, on the on the." And he told us on the to direct, yeah. And he told us to direct the jet, the solid seventy millimeter core of water, onto this poorly built Besser brick barbecue <laughs> in a beautiful house in Avalon, oh and we did it, and it blew the <laughs> shit out of the barbecue. There were Besser bricks flying from our solder breakfast, sure. and it was just a complete embarrassing fuck up. Yeah. Now the reason we did it uh. was to kind of make the station officer realise that, what the fuck are you doing? It was embarrassing. And another thing that happened at the same barbecue is that the station officer, he jumped up on this particular wall and as he pushed forward, he knocked the entire wall over. It was a retaining wall that held up their front yard. Look, it was just a complete embarrassing series. And the, 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 the families that were at this barbecue, they all just stood there. The children were traumatised <laughs> because fireys generally have a really, really good reputation. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves fireys, which we can talk about later. Mm. Yeah, that was just one of those surreal moments. In fact, I had lots of surreal moments. It seems like um, a lot of those moments revolved around not the incompetence, but the kind of quirks that come with being a station officer. If you kept going, would you have ever set your sights on becoming a station officer yourself? Uh, never. Why not? Because back when I was a fireman, there were a lot of problems within the brigade in terms of um, there was a lot of alcohol consumption. Right. And there was a bit of drug taking. And, you know, I just thought, I said to friends that were station officers, I said, how on earth do you cope when you go out to a fire station and, and half the crew yeah. are semi-pissed before they even start? Right. I mean, what do, what do you do? I mean... If you're a relieving station officer, you, you're you not really going to make waves, are you? Because you know that the next day you're not going to be there. Because you're, you're a Look, substitute teacher, basically. You're a substitute teacher. Yeah, okay. And uh, and it's really complicated. Yeah. But um, I worked at Crow's Nest one night. Do you remember in the police force that story I told you about the detective that took that guy out into the back of the detective's office on that big stormy night? Yeah. And the, they put the, the guy in, in the storm drain? Yeah. It's an incredible story. Did I tell you? that I ended up working with that detective's brother. In the fire brigade? Yeah. No. And he was a station officer at Crow's Nest. Mm. And similar story, but he was the officer in charge. Um, He hit the piss one night and he drank himself into oblivion to the point where we couldn't wake him. 
and one of the guys on the pump, a senior guy, hmm. he actually get ready for this, and this is absolutely God's honour. He dressed up in his blazer. He wore his uniform, his fire fighting tunic, with his insignia, and he pretended to be the station officer. And off we went for the rest of the night. How fucked up and heavy is that? Why would he need to pretend? Why couldn't he just wear what he was wearing before? Because you have to be the rank of station officer to be in the passenger seat in the front of a fire engine. Right, so he chucked on the uniform of someone who was qualified, gets in the front. Yeah, because the qualified SO was unconscious. Incredible. Yeah. And you just think, what the... I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I find it interesting that this episode turned into a kind of a cautionary tale about Station officers and fire brigades. That's the common thing that tied all these together. Also, let's take stock that I have no idea what the brigade's like now. Of course. No, no. Uh, but, the- but back then, there yeah. was a real drinking culture. And I'll, I'll never, ever forget a pati- another particular uh, guy. Yeah. Um, and he... Because I used to smoke. Yes, I uh, remember. I used to smoke. And then, uh, for the listeners, I smoked for probably 10 years. Mm. I never smoked in front of you kids. I'd always go outside and... I was at Crow's Nest Fire Station. Now, bearing in mind I was in my early 30s, I'd been in the police force. You know, I wasn't sort of 18 years old, out of school, joining the fire brigade. I'd seen some shit in my life. This particular fireman in front of about 20 fires, because it was a very, very big um, fire station up at Crow's Nest, Mm. and we're all there one night, hot summer's night, and I'm leaning out the window having a cigarette, and this particular fireman, he comes up to me, and he, in front of everyone, he just said, oh, you know, Put that fucking cigarette out. And I turned around to him in front of 20 guys. There were no women at the station at that time. And I said to him, I'll put my cigarette out if you put your fucking can of beer in the bin. And the room just, just, everyone just thought, fuck. And I thought, there's hypocrisy. You're telling me to put a cigarette out and you're sucking on a can of piss. So we sorted that one out. But this particular guy, um, he kind of, it, it indicates what, power can do to people yeah so this particular guy went on to be um fairly senior in the fire brigade Mm. and uh, he became a fairly senior officer and on the northern beaches you you know we used to live in harbord which is now freshwater and one afternoon i was down at the local shopping center i'm sort of in civvies just cruising walking down to get some um some stuff at the shop Mm -hmm. and i hear this siren go off and it's this particular fireman that had become quite a senior officer Mm. And he used, and he, he's off duty, but he's driving a district officer's, which is a pretty senior rank, it's above station officer, and he's driving a district officer's car mm. with all the sirens and all the, the badges, and he's using the siren to shoo some pedestrian off the pedestrian crossing. I, I mean, what a fuckwit. Yeah. But then, it gets worse, he then saw me... And he must have thought, fuck. And then he used his three fingers like this. I'm sorry that the listeners can't see this. Mm. And he tapped his shoulder to indicate his epaulets on his shoulder. In other words, his rank. So what he's saying to me is, I'm a district officer, mate. I can do what I fucking like. And I thought, you are a dead set fuckwit. And and another, another thing too, like, and police to a degree, but, you know, police get half price at McDonald's mm. historically. Mm. There's a little, um, there's a little, um, like a key on every cash register. Right. And it says police promo. And you get 50% discount if you're in uniform 
but there was a particular fiery that I worked with. And it was just by the grace of God that a particular McDonald's store occasionally would be really, really nice to fires. They didn't have to be because, mm. believe you me, we didn't generally get a discount at McDonald's. And this particular fiery, he came into the station one night. He got his fire brigade uniform on. He wasn't working. Yeah. And he took his family to McDonald's right. and demanded 50% discount. So power does weird things. You know, to take it. You know, and I'm I'm not bashing the the brigade by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, people can abuse, and if people see that happening, they go. They think less. You know, yeah. yeah, they think less, and the fireys are really, 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 really great people. And, and and I remember at Long Bay Jail, whenever there was a prison strike, the police and um and the prison warders uh, on a few occasions wanted the fireys to use our hoses to hose down prisoners. And the fireys just went, sorry, it's not happening. Mm. We cannot afford to tarnish our reputation. Because I've been in the police force and the fireys, when you're driving a police car, it's sad, but generally speaking, you know, the perception that the public have, particularly, sadly, children, and then in direct contrast, stark contrast, that is when you rock up as a fiery, it's like this love and admiration. Yeah. And that's a really, really important um, thing to, to maintain. Yeah, and it's just a shame that, uh, you know, you've got station officers who are, as you said, um, kind of fuckwits. Well, let's finish on that one. <laughs> that was a really fascinating look uh, at a very fascinating part of the New South Wales Fire Brigade. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to head across to iTunes and to subscribe and leave us a review. And we'll be back next week for more Loose Units Hot stuff coming through. See you then. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>